What a difference a few days can make for U.S. men's national team fans after suffering embarrassing defeat to Belgium. The U.S. goes out and trounces on Germany 4-3. to This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. As always with me is Ivis Galarsep. What's up, man? What's going on, Garrett? I'm, I'm glad you uh, you made that trip back safe and sound. Yeah, it was. Uh, we made a late run, uh, late run back from DC uh, Sunday night. Uh, got home like six a.m., which is why uh, why we didn't uh, get to record the show on time. But uh, plenty uh, plenty to talk about uh, after Sunday's uh, memorable game, uh, USA beating Germany. Uh, I don't know how many people saw that or how many people saw USA scoring four goals against Germany. But uh, it's a definitely definitely a different vibe right now. In a, in the U.S. soccer landscape uh, from three days ago, when uh, you know it was all gloom and doom and the sky Price was falling is, for some people, yeah. After the loss to Belgium, well, it, it, come on, Ivis. We we talk about this every week. It's the consistent roller coaster that it's always going to be. It's going to be good one week, bad the next week. You know, let's just hope that the good weeks are those weeks when uh, when World, World Cup qualifying games are right. Well, I mean, you know, for U.S. fans, you you kind of hope they eventually figure this out that you know, not not every bad result is the end of the world, and not every good result means uh, you know uh, means complete victory and uh, everything's been resolved. Uh, with this Germany game, uh, it's a great result, uh, but it's funny just seeing the range of emotions on it. I mean, you have some people who who are just absolutely ecstatic and think it think the team can beat anybody now and then you have the other end of the spectrum where you have people who who completely are trying to find every way possible to write off this result and whether it's Germany's B or C team or or, or whatever you know but I mean at the end of the day it was a great it was a great performance and, and the most important thing is it told us a lot about some some players uh that we needed to find out about that Jurgen Klinsmann needed to find out about yeah, well, let's let's talk about the good in this game. Lots of good to talk about. Josie Altador scoring, Clint Dempsey, what a performance. Brad Evans, I mean, you talk about just a put your name on top of the uh, the list guy, right there. Let's let's talk about the good, Ivis. I mean, what do you take initial knee jerk reaction positives from the game? Well, I mean, the first one. I mean, obviously, Clint Dempsey scores two goals. You know, he 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 does what he did what he does. He he scores goals. He's now the you know second. All-time leading goal scorer for the national team, um, but for me, the story was Josie Altador, a player who obviously has, has you know has had his struggles on the national team, uh, and has taken a lot of flack for that. And uh, you know, I wrote about it on SBI, and it's just this is the kind of game he absolutely needed. Uh, and it's also a game that showed, you know, if he gets service, he can score. And uh, he flat flat out, he really hasn't gotten service. Uh, to maximize his ability and 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 he's probably gotten you know more flack than he deserves i mean it's i mean not to say that he ha- has no blame in, in the drought that he had when you're talking about 18 months without a national team goal but at the same time forwards need service and and the u.s midfield just hadn't really gotten the job done but on sunday you actually saw the team uh, really do a good job of of, of creating chances of, of of giving him options, mm-hmm. whether it's service from the wings. Uh, you had fullbacks overlapping. You had you had uh, you know both wingers really getting forward into the attack, and 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 it really showed what he can do um, when, when he when he's in that kind of situation. We should already know that from his time in Azed, 
where they create ch- uh, they create chances by the boatload and he puts them away. So you know, hopefully for U.S. fans, uh, it's a sign of things to come for Altidore. Well, also the fact that how active he was. You know, I think in the very beginning of the game, I can remember a lot of combinations between Evans playing up to Altidore. I mean, there, there were a couple times when Altidore was uh, jumping out to the wings and, and and taking the ball there. I thought that was good. I mean, you, you saw a lot of active movement from him. You know, but I think a lot of it also had a benefit of Michael Bradley's return to the lineup. And I actually thought Fabian Johnson, uh, I mean, I know he didn't score, but I, I thought he looked a little dangerous on a couple times moving up. Uh, I mean, what's your overall assessment of, of, the, of that central midfield right there? Well, it's all about movement, you know. Uh, when, when, when the players around Josie Altidore move and pass and, 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 and keep, keep def- the defenses, you know, guessing and keep, keep them kind of stretched, it, it creates space for him. It also creates opportunity for him. And, and, and like you said, early on in that game, it was clear they were trying to get him the ball. They were, they were trying to send it, whether it was long balls, whether it was, you know, balls down the flank. You know, they were definitely trying to get him involved. And he, and, and he was very active. I mean, he, he clearly was in, he was plugged in from the beginning of that game. And I know in the past, he's been accused of, of uh, maybe moping a bit, uh, maybe not hustling a bit. And, and you know what? In some of those cases, I really think it's a case where, you know, he, he tries and tries and tries and doesn't get any service. And after a while, he just, he just shuts down a little bit. In this game, you know, he was plugged in from the beginning and, and he, he found himself in a, in a setup where everyone, where, where there was actually activity and movement in the attack and wingers getting forward. And, you know, Graham Zussi obviously providing some great service and Brad Evans also sending him some good balls. So, you could definitely see how that fast start um, got him going and, and got him to a good point where he could really be a threat. And and when we move back to the defense, uh, it's seven goals in, in two games is, is obviously on uh, not not the best performance and obviously something that, that the U.S. wants to shore up, but it, it still seems like on the defense, Ivis, there's still maybe some question marks over who's going where. I mean, is Brad Evans really in the discussion now going against Jamaica? Jeff Cameron, I mean, what could happen now for the defense, and what do you take from their performance against Germany? Well, I know people are, are going to look at the three goals and, and, and make a lot of it and, and really try to uh, call it an awful performance by the defense. But for me, you know, I, I mean, the fact is it was friendly and you had a lot of substitutions. And those substitutions clearly played a part in that late rally. Edgar Castillo comes into the match. And we're talking about a player who played in Brazil in a Copa Libertadores match on Thursday and flew all the way from Brazil to, to, to D.C. for this match and, and didn't even train the day before the match. I mean, he just did some jogging. And, and, and at that time, it seemed like, you know, he probably won't even play in this game. But he ends up playing and he comes in and, and he just wasn't sharp. And he had a hand in, 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 their, in two goals for Germany. So... You have to look at that when you're, you know, breaking this down, and, and you have to look at how the first choice defense did. And the fact is, the U.S. were up four-one uh, with that group. Uh, so, you know, that that's what you. I, th- I think if you're going to really dissect this game, you want to look at how the back, the starting back four did when the game was really still on the line. Before you bring in the player in Castillo, who clearly wasn't a hundred percent. Uh, and I think there were some positives to take away. I think Brad Evans, I thought he did, he was outstanding mm-hmm. at right back, considering, you know, uh, the expectations, uh, the fact that, you know, I don't think many people thought he would do well at all. I think, uh, you know, the reaction when we put a, we put the story up on SBI on uh, on Saturday that he looked like he was going to start, uh, people were freaking out. People were like, this guy isn't even the best right back on the Sounders. What is, what is Klinsman doing? And you know what? At the end of the day, Klinsman saw qualities in him. 
uh, of being able to be a good right back. I mean, he you know he's honest defensively. He gives you quality in the attack. Uh, obviously, you know he starts the game off with a pair of of beautiful long passes and to kind of yep. show a that he has the quality and b that he's not afraid uh, to you step up in that kind of he sta- environment. He, he established himself right away. Exactly. I mean, he was not afraid and, to go in on challenges, and off the ball play was great. He he, he really made that mark like like within seconds of that game. Yeah, he wasn't nervous at all, and that's the thing. And I, you know, I, I find it funny. Uh, some folks in Seattle uh, are going on about how you know he's not even the best right back on the Sounders. Uh, DeAndre Yedlin should be getting called up to the senior team. I'm like, you know what? Listen, folks, <laughs> slow down. DeAndre Yedlin is a teenager. He is, you know, he's a great prospect, but you're not calling him up to the senior team. That's a whole different ball game. Brad Evans can play there. He played there against Canada in January. Looked good at right back. So I think that was the first uh, real evidence, you know, you know, even though it was Canada in a January game. But it's still, it, it clearly showed Klinsman that, you know, there's some quality there at right back. And uh, and he, he made the most of it. So he did well. I thought Beasley did. DeMarcus Beasley, again, did well left back. And mm-hmm. I think it's his job now. I mean, I think... The fact that Fabian Johnson looked as good as he did on the left wing before he came out injured uh, and as, as steady as Beasley looked and as shaky as Castillo looked, I mean, I think it's safe to say right now Beasley is the left back. It's his job. I agree. Center back is, a, you know, it, center back's an interesting one because, uh, look, Beasley I thought did well. I know at the end, later in the game when they when the, uh, the Germany goals came, you know, the people kind of wanted to put some of that blame on him. I thought he played well. And, uh, you know, Jurgen Klinsmann uh, had a lot of praise for him. Omar Gonzalez clearly was shaky again. Um, it wasn't as bad as the Belgium game, but it, it also wasn't um, necessarily a great game for him. And, and, and I think just now when you talk about uh, the sum of the parts and, and all these games, I know people are nervous about Omar Gonzalez and, is, you know, is he ready? Uh, and as, as much as there were definitely shaky moments for him in the game, I still think that as a partnership, as a center back partnership, I think Beasley Gonzalez is the way to go right now. Um, just because, just for the the way they fit. I, mean, I know Jeff Cameron. You know, yeah, you know, no Jeff Cameron, are... Ivis. How dare you? <laughs> I know exactly. It's you know, I, I think Beasley and Gonzalez suit each other well. Um, I think they fit each other well. Uh, Gonzalez is really dominant in the air. Um, Beasley is really good. I mean, he's quick. He, he's fat. He's surprisingly fast. One of the interesting things. Uh, uh, the national team did some testing. You know, they did some uh, fitness testing, and, and he apparently Beasler was tested out as the fastest player on the national team. Now, uh, it, it, you wait, know, wait, wait, wait. That yeah, yeah. No, listen. And it's funny because I asked him about it um, after the game, and he's like, "Hey, man, the tests don't lie." But you know, obviously, <laughs> you know, may, maybe maybe not everyone took the test seriously. Uh, say what you want, but at the end of the day, the fact is, he is he has speed, right? So he has speed, and he also reads the game very well. So when you take those elements into into play, they they, they fit perfectly with with Gonzalez's weaknesses. When you talk about lateral quickness, uh, his reaction time isn't always the best. So you have a player in Beasley who covers well for him, and then Gonzalez is obviously really dominant in the air. Not that Beasley's uh, not that Beasley is terrible in the air, but it, it's not among his biggest strengths. So, from that standpoint, they complement each other well. And, and then I know some people are going to say, "Well, what about Jeff Cameron?" You know, I mean, when you're talking about a guy who who looked like he was going to be the starter for, uh, all the way through the World Cup, you know, just last year as a center back. Um, mm-hmm. I think the fact that he hasn't been playing center back at Stoke City has hurt him. It, 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 he hasn't gotten the reps. 
Uh, and after a while, that 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 does have an effect. And and he didn't finish the season as a regular starter. Uh, he he started the very last game of the season for Stoke, but he he hadn't been starting regularly. So I think I think that has hurt him. I think that has cost him in this race uh, for playing time. But at the same time, I think Klinsman is hedging his bet a little bit by moving Cameron away from the right back situation and moving him into the center back situation. He's getting that move prepared if Gonzalez doesn't work out. Mm -hmm. If Gonzalez is shaky, if he goes to Jamaica and lays an egg, uh, Jeff Cameron will be starting uh, when the U.S. plays Panama and Seattle. I I put all kinds of money on that. But I do think uh, Klinsman will give Beasler and Gonzalez the nod on Friday against Jamaica. Hmm. Interesting. Um, for the uh, for the guys that came off the bench, did uh, did anyone impress you? I mean, Edgar Castillo, obviously, uh, he's uh, he might he might be down that further on that list now. But uh, well, you- look, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. As far as Castillo goes, I mean, you can't overlook the fact that, like I said, I mean, he played in a big game, Copa Libertadores, down in Brazil Thursday night. So to do that in Brazil Thursday night mm-hmm. and travel all the way to D.C. and play in the heat in D.C. on Sunday, it was a lot to ask, you know. So I'm not ready to write him off because of that performance. Uh, I would say that you know he ha- he is he has fallen a bit behind uh, Beasley. I think Beasley's the guy now. What about uh, I mean like Brad Davis, uh, Eddie Johnson, and, and any of those guys impressed the MLS guys? Well, I tell you what, Brad Brad Davis, uh, you know he he didn't do badly. He, he I thought he did well for himself. And if Fabian if Fabian Johnson is injured. Uh, and he came off at halftime with some hamstring mm-hmm. tightness, uh, even though you know the word out of the U.S. camp is that he should be good to go, he should be fine to start, or, or he should be available and healthy for the Jamaica game. If he is not, uh, I don't, you know, I think it's Brad, it's Brad Davis's game, uh, game to start. Uh, I thought mm-hmm. he showed well. I thought he moved well. He, he had some good passes. And I tell you what, I rewatched the Belgium game, um, and I don't think Davis was as bad as maybe some thought he had been. Um, you know, I thought he showed some pretty decent uh, quality there. So he he's not too far off the pace. I mean, obviously, Fabian Johnson is your guy. He, he's the guy you want to start. Uh, but if he can't go, uh, I, I don't I don't think people should necessarily assume that Brad Davis wouldn't be able to give you something on the left wing. Um, I also have to uh, point out that Terrence Boyd's uh, nine minutes were very exciting. He wanted a goal so bad in this game, Ivis. Listen, man. I, I, I tell you <laughs> Did what. You I see mean, I know. The, the, I know people were getting on him. I know people were giving him <laughs> a lot of crap because you know, like he didn't dribble to the corner flag, and he, he just his he looked a bit off. But man, I tell you what, the guy was so excited to play in that game. Oh, he was motivated. He, he was out of his. He was like out of his mind. You know, he lost it a bit. I mean, if he had scored a goal, I mean, I think he might have just ripped off his entire uniform and just oh, yeah. out like a crazy person. I mean, it meant that much to him. And you gotta appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, you know, so uh, you know anyone who wants to give him crap because of the, because of the you know he didn't dribble out the time and he didn't go to the corner flag. You know what? Listen, folks, it's a friendly. He's playing the country he was born in. He wants to impress. He wants to show American fans that he, uh, playing for the U.S. means everything for him. So how do you knock that? How do you knock his his desire to to want to do that? So I, I'm not gonna hate on that on him too much at all for that. I mean, I thought that was a, I thought it was a pretty cool sight. So. Uh, uh, take it easy on Boyd. Uh, I still think, you know what, I think he's going to get a chance to hear at some point qualifying as a sub, and, and you know what, he could find a goal. My, my favorite part of that was was after he took the shot, you know, you saw Dempsey yelling at him on the field, and after the game, Dempsey gave him just like this look, like I'm going to destroy you in the locker room. Look, it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. It, it was, it was I, I, I love that. I mean, you got to love the passion that, that Dempsey has, even in a friendly, but that fired up, you know? 
Right. I mean, that you know, that's Dempsey's role. You know, he's the captain now, and you know, he 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 needs to set a tone and 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 let the young players know what they're doing right and wrong. And uh, uh, I'm pretty sure next time Boyd's in that situation, he will absolutely dribble to the corner flag. Also, uh, the women's national team had a game on the same day. They took on Canada in I think uh, Toronto, or as Canadians call it, T.O. I believe. I, I've never heard that before until recently on the West Coast. We, we there's T O. There's is that there's what that T is? Dot, there's the T dot. That's another. I heard. That's, I've, that's, I've heard that one too. When when right. I was seriously talking to a Canadian person one time, and they used all these abbreviations, I was like, "What are you talking about? I've never heard of that stuff." I think T dot is the more is the more kind of you know the more urban uh, urban uh, one, and then there's just Toronto. Toronto. There's no T. There's no second T. It's just Toronto. Seriously. No, I'm just saying that's that's my my really bad attempt at a Canadian accent. Interesting. No, well, I'm sure someone will call us out in the comments or on Twitter, Ivis. I'm sure they will. Um, but anyways, the the women they took on Canada. They won three to zero. Uh, Alex Morgan scored two goals, and then a little controversy. Sydney Larue, uh, Ivis. Why don't you explain what happened if, if for people who don't know exactly what happened when she scored her goal? Well, you know, obviously, for those who don't know, Sydney LaRue, Sydney LaRue is a Canadian-born player. She plays for the U.S. And, uh, you know, she, she scored a goal against Canada. She, she's, a, she's someone who's taken a lot of flack in Canada for, for, for choosing the U.S. Because, um, obviously, she's a standout player. Uh, and she's been pretty vocal about her decision to play for the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. so she's not, let's just say she's not well-liked. And now that's been taken up. A uh, thousand notches because she she scored the kind of the final dagger insurance goal in the Canada USA Canada game, and then proceeded to 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 kiss the crest the U.S. crest, <laughs> stick it out with her hands, and then she did the be quiet uh, move with the finger to the lips, telling the telling the crowd to shush, you know, telling the crowd to be quiet, and Canadian fans are <laughs> flipping out over this. Uh, you know, on Twitter, it's just it's ugly. I mean, she's getting all she's getting ripped like all over the place. Uh, and now to now on Monday, uh, things have taken a different turn now because uh, you know she went on Twitter and she pretty much uh, she pretty much said that you know if if you're gonna hurl racist chants and 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 boo and all that that you know she's well within her right to do what she did and uh, that set off a firestorm up in Toronto. From people who were flipping out at the at the suggestion that there was racial abuse uh, in Toronto. Now the thing is, the tweet itself wasn't didn't didn't specify that what she was talking about was in that particular game, but a lot but people just assumed that a lot of people, especially folks in Canada, just did just assume that she was talking about that game that day, and then everyone starts freaking out. Mm-hmm. Obviously, folks in Toronto were like, "That's ridiculous! You know, we would never stand for that. Uh, that does not happen in Toronto." Uh, so there, there was immediate backlash because of of, of, of the tweet, uh, but now it's kind of come out, uh, you know, from other outlets. Uh, Jason DeVos, who's a you know a, a former Canadian player and a person, TV personality out there, tweeted that you know he has been told that he has heard that she wasn't referring to anything that happened on that particular day, which is what what I thought because when you read the tweet, it didn't specify the game, but it was easy for people to assume that, and that's what happened. A lot of people assume that. Uh, so it's you know now people maybe have a better understanding that you know her reaction wasn't just about that day. It wasn't just about the people booing her every time she touched the ball that day. It, her reaction was uh, about months and months and year and however long it's been of her, you know, facing abuse uh, for choosing the U.S. and also the apparently 
there was a game uh, the last time she played the, uh, against the uh, against Canada in Vancouver that maybe there was some abuse there. So it's been building up. Clearly, this is built up for her over time, mm-hmm. and, and she and she lashed out. And, and you know what? You people can call it classless. I mean, you can you can say that, but you know what? When you're a competitor, and, and, and those emotions are are that high, and, and if she has in fact been dealing with that sort of abuse. Um, then you can, and how do you not? How do you not understand that reaction? How do you not? Uh, I, I'm not saying it's a, it's right, but I understand how it, she could get there. I thought it was. Uh, what were your thoughts on it? I mean, I, it's not like I thought, oh, hey, great, that's a great move. By her. But at the same <laughs> time, I understood. Like, you know what? I, I can totally get that. I mean, yeah. she's got, a, she's gotten a ton of abuse. And I will say one thing. Let me. I, there's something I definitely want to say. Uh, um, uh, regarding the situation that was that, that was a little unsettling for me uh, was the you know the reaction up in Canada to to her tweet and and, and her you know talking about uh, being racially abused and and the reaction was was one of uh, you know you know is she lying like no no I didn't hear this this is and if she's lying she needs to get punished that was the initial reaction and I, my thing is this right. If people who, who who claim abuse, if people who step forward and and, and say they're abused, ha- like you can't have your initial reaction be you better not be lying or you're going to get punished. They're like seriously, like you you can't approach it that way. Like I understand why, uh, uh, being defensive about where you're from and wanting to defend the honor of where you're from and, and not mm. not have you know if you're from Toronto you don't want you don't want people in Toronto uh, people to think of Toronto as being racist or having or allowing that. I get that. But it's a, I think there's a fine line. I think that I think you just have to tread more carefully in the first or second thought out of your mind when 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 hearing someone talk about being abused cannot be well. You better not be lying because you will get punished. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. And and I think pe- and I think some people just got it completely wrong on that front because that cannot be the initial reaction to someone who claims abuse. Because you know what, people who if that's the tone you set. Then no one will want to step forward and say I've been abused because because it, it's almost as if the implication from jump is that it, it it's not true you, you better you better not be lying like that I I, I kind of took offense to that I thought that was over the line and, and and I saw it quite a bit and it you know it's one thing to come from fans here and there but when you're mm-hmm. talking about media like, so called media whatever it was like I I thought some people really really lost the plot on that yeah I feel like sometimes with those you, you gotta tread lightly you know gotta be very right. careful. Right. So I mean hopefully it's all get it, it all gets cleared up and hopefully she steps forward and kind of clarifies the clarifies it for anyone who who took it, you know, took it the wrong way and and took it as her uh taking shots at Toronto and the and, and the folks at, at BMO Field. I mean I I personally and that was the thing when I I got into I got onto it a bit late on Twitter and 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 when I saw the reaction to the tweet and then I read the tweet and then I looked at it I said, "You know what? Um this tweet does not say uh necessarily that it was this was from that game and i could totally get that you know it's something that's been building up for her over a long period of time so uh clearly there were some people who were pretty defensive about it and and just thought hey this this is uh you know this is unfair she's 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 you know she's lying or whatever it was uh, i'll read the tweet for you uh sitting in tweet was when you chant racial slurs mm-hmm. taunt me and talk about my family don't be mad when I shush you and show pride in what I represent. Hashtag America. Now, I'm not saying I can't understand how people took that to mean uh, all that happened at the game in Toronto. 
But at the same time, it isn't clear. And and clearly now it's come out. It's coming out now that she wasn't just talking about that game. She's been getting abused for a long time. And uh, did she handle it the best? You know what? That's that's up for debate. Obviously, the folks in America love it. The the, the folks in, in in the U.S. are eating it up because it's like, yeah, we're America, you know. And, and then the folks in Canada are like, oh, that's such that's so classless, you know. <laughs> it, it, to, without fail, I mean, I've seen you know for all the reactions I've seen to it, every time I, I read one that's like negative, it's Canadian, and and the ones that are positive, American. So you know what? If anything, it, it's adding to this rivalry. Yeah, this U.S. Uh, Canada women's rivalry. It's good. Uh, yeah, I mean that Olympic semifinal is one of the best games, period, that I've seen. And and you know obviously the U.S. handled Canada uh, this weekend. They, they beat them pretty. They beat them handily. It wasn't a contest. But I really really hope that this this rivalry continues to to build because it's good for the game. It's good for the women's game, yeah. and uh, you know it's good for the league as well, the new league. Uh, and, and hey, the Women's World Cup is uh, you know only a couple years away now. So you know hopefully this build. This it's in Canada up. But, uh, too, right? It's in Canada. Yeah. So I mean, Sydney, Sydney Larue could be, uh, you know, playing for the U.S. in Canada in a World Cup, maybe against Canada at some point, and you know, hopefully it's great drama. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, hopefully it, you know, people can, can behave, and 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 hopefully there's not any abuse anywhere. Uh, I mean, there was abuse on Twitter today for uh, at, aimed at Sydney Larue that was, you know, pretty ugly and racist. So. Obviously, there's there's those ugly elements in the world, and, who, who, and, and I can we, never figure out like who are these people? Like they exist, they're real people. Listen, there's racists. You know, there's no, no, but like they like they exist. Like they go to the grocery store, like the rest of us. Like they, you know what I mean? I, like it, you it, know it just, it there's freaks a, there's, me there's, out. You know, there's hundreds of millions of people in the U.S. and Canada. There's going to be a few bad apples. I mean, you can't you can't get away from that. And the and the thing with Twitter is Twitter is the vehicle that allows anybody to have a voice. And that includes, you know, crackpots and, and mm-hmm. racists and, uh, you know, ugly, ugly, you know, people. So oh. it, it's unfortunate, but you know what, back to the game, back to the soccer. And, and, and hopefully, uh, we see, uh, a healthy, uh, rivalry between the U S and Canada because, uh, you know, it's great for the game. Yeah. I, uh, totally agree with you on that. All right, let's move on. Let's look at the Gold Cup. This is not the roster. It's the provisional roster. Then they'll make some cuts from here going forward. But um, there was a lot of buzz with with some of the names that were on here. Ivis, uh, guys like Bobby Wood. I see a lot of people like being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, cult hero Josh Gatt's on there. Um, Onyewu's on there. What, what, what's your takeaway from this roster? Well, you know, obviously the, uh, when the Landon Donovan was the, you know, when you talk about the names on there, that's the one uh, everyone had to see and wanted to make sure would be on there. And uh, it's a, it's an interesting list for sure. I mean, Bobby Wood, I think, was the biggest surprise on the list. Uh, when you talk about, you know, a player who, you know, he's he's been in the, the Bundesliga 2. He's a younger forward. He's not one of the players that you, you hear about getting much coverage uh, playing over there. Um, but you know, obviously Klinsman is hearing some good things about him and, and he, 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 he might bring him in again. This is a preliminary list. It doesn't mean that these guys are, are necessarily going to be on it, uh, on the team. Um, but I, I tell you the other names, we talk about some veteran names, uh, I, uh, Carlos Bocanegra and Noguchi Onyewu, mm-hmm. um, you know, two guys who were, you know, anchors on a pair of, uh, gold cup winning teams. You talk about 2005 and 2007. Uh, so these guys have been in that event in that tournament. They won it. They they you know they know what it's about. Um, so uh, you know it, it will be interesting to see if those guys are part of it. Um, obviously, 
Omar Gonzalez and Matt Beasley are on the preliminary roster, but and as well as well as Demarcus Beasley, uh, it's tough to see those guys. Uh, I don't think they're going to be on the team because they're going to go through qualifying. Um, I, I, I guess it's a case of you know hedging the bets a bit in case any of them are injured and don't end up playing in these qualifying games. I don't see anyone doing full blown double duty. Um, that's just not going to happen because you, you know these guys need a break at some point. Um, but just looking at the rest of the list, uh, you know, Jack McInerney, I know a lot of people are yep. excited uh, to see him on there. He's someone who uh, he scored again this weekend, another equalizer uh, against Toronto FC. He's owned, you know, he's someone who had he, kinda, he had to be on the list, right? He had to be on. Um, uh, but one player I was surprised not to see on is Terrence Boyd. You know, he, he's a guy who, you know, he, I'm not sure how much of a role he's going to play in these qualifiers. So if he's not going to play much of a role in qualifying, um then how do you not bring him in the Gold Cup? Uh, that being said, you can kind of understand it because he's just played his first full professional season. And and that takes its toll, you know, when you're not used to playing that, uh, you know, having that full uh, season, you know, you need a rest. So from that standpoint, I, I kind of get it. I understand that. So uh, that, but it, again, it just means an opportunity when you talk about Landon Donovan, McInerney. Uh, Bobby Wood. Uh, I don't know if Wood's gonna. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet on Wood making the final roster. Um, mm-hmm. But someone like Will Bruin, uh, it, Alan Gordon was one. I know people were like, "Really, Alan Gordon? What is the deal? This guy." <laughs> that why? was that was why the one he's... name where everyone was just like, "What?" Right. I mean, I know he had the key play against Antigua when he got the call up the last time, but I'm sorry, I just don't. I like he. I cannot see him being on the final roster. Um, when, when you look at the rest of the uh, the team, uh, the midfield is is definitely one. I'm excited for, for Bedoya. Right, Bedoya's playing out of, out of his mind right and now, and he's also he's not really- and he's also not playing because we've we've known uh, Bedoya as as a, as like a right winger. Um, he's actually lining up more at center forward for his club in Europe right now. So uh, it'd be interesting if if they use that if they do that uh, for him with this team too. Well, not center forward. I mean, he's in a central midfield, like is a withdrawn is a withdrawn forward attacking midfielder. He can play anywhere in the midfield, basically, and he's not really a pure winger. I mean, he can play as a playmaker. He can play as a second forward, uh, but he's playing really well, and I, I think he's someone who you know I can see definitely starting on that team. Stuart Holden, obviously, is going to have a key role to play on that team. Uh, Joe Corona's on the roster, uh, and then you got the young guys, the as you call them, cult heroes, Josh Gatt, Benny Phil, uh, not Benny Phil, however, Josh Gatt. And uh, Mix Discarude, you know, those are two guys that I know a lot of people are anxious to kind of see uh, in that mix. Uh, defensively, you know, I, I was surprised to see certain players that didn't make the list. I mean, Omobi Akugo is a guy who I think for a young center, uh, for a young central defender, converted midfielder who, who has who's a great who's great athletically and, and, and a quality player technically as a center back. I was surprised he well, he didn't make the cut and and. I, I, George John, him and George John for me. Yeah, I'm surprised about that. Guys, yeah, I mean, I know George John has been dealing with some injuries. He's having um, a pretty good year, though. He's had, no, he's having a very good year, but you know, he's missed games obviously because of the injuries he's had. But I, I was surprised by that. I, I really thought he would get on it. Uh, but now, you know, now you have to look at this group and you ask yourself, well, is 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 Klinsman like planning to put together like a get the get the band back together? And have you know Onyewu, Bocanegra be the, the starters and and you know starting center backs, and then maybe like a you know Michael Parkhurst at right back, Edgar Castillo at left back, you know that'd be a pretty experienced group. So uh, maybe from that standpoint, maybe we should shouldn't have assumed that he would want to bring in some really really new faces, uh, particularly a center back. 
Well, I guess we uh, there's obviously there's probably gonna be injuries. I hope. I mean, hopefully there's not, but there probably will be. I mean, there's a lot of time for this roster. So, so as we approach those games, uh, we could talk more about uh, the roster. Maybe even a couple guys who could be having good performances in MLS or, or in other leagues over the next couple of weeks. We could be saying, hey, they deserve a call up too. So, um, we can obviously uh, break down that roster as their games approach in July. A big, big buzz right now in MLS is David Beckham exploring MLS expansion. What, what's, what's your, what's your take on this? Well, you know that that's Beckham owning a team has been the talk forever because obviously he has that option. Uh, part of the, part of the deal of him joining MLS was that he he was going to be given the option uh, to buy a team and buy it at a at a discount. You know, he he he's I believe it's twenty five million that he can pay to to own a team. And I mean to put that into perspective. New York City FC is paying a hundred million dollars to join MLS, so it's a great deal for him. So now he just has to find he has to find a place to put it. And Miami's long been rumored to be where he wants to put a team. And and Lord knows every player on earth wants to have a team in Miami. And I literally mean on earth. I mean Europe. I'm not just talking MLS players wanting to go play in Miami. I'm talking about European based players because it seems like every single European player uh, vacations in Miami. So you know they 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 want to you know if there's a team in Miami. You will not have a problem finding players to play on it. Um, obviously, the big issues are, you know, from a business standpoint, making it work. And 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 you know, Be- uh, Beckham is is in talks with with uh, a pretty rich guy in in, in the Miami area, um, who who is you know maybe the the, the financial muscle uh, behind uh, who could be the financial muscle behind the move uh, a deal a deal for Beckham. So. Uh, that that one, I know folks in Florida are, are, are all over the map on this because you know Orlando at one point was thought to be like the fr- they were thought to be the front runner overall for an expansion team. Now they've missed out uh, on being team twenty, and now you've got Miami all of a sudden taking away the spotlight. So Orlando's kind of gotten on the back burner, and especially if Miami can 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 combine uh, Marcelo Claude, who's a, a billionaire with a B, uh, d- down in uh, you know he's, he's Bolivian. Uh, him and Beckham were spending Wait, a lot how, of time how together. Else, how else would he would you spell billionaire? No, nah, just well, there's billionaire and millionaire, so people <laughs> might have not. You don't hear billionaire too often, so I know. I'm just when, I'm just teasing you, man. <laughs> anyway, so Beckham and 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 Claude, you know, we're all over uh, uh, Miami this past weekend. I mean, you, you actually could spot them courtside uh, at the NBA uh, playoffs. Uh, you know, right there next to the uh, Miami Heat bench. So, so these guys are, are, are trying to put a plan together, and um, the question is, can they really make it work and make it a successful yeah. business? I mean, obviously, those with long memories know that MLS has tried Florida before, and you know the Miami team and the Tampa Bay team did not work out from a financial standpoint. It should be it should be pointed out that the Miami team was not in Miami; they're in Fort Lauderdale. Um, and it seems like you know, they you know I, where they're going to put a team specifically. Or is it going to be in Miami proper? Is it going to be in Fort Lauderdale? Um, I tell you what, if you have if you have a, the the deep pockets that they had seem to have in this group, and then you have Beckham's cachet, his his uh, you know his name recognition, uh, maybe it can work. It's not easy though. Anyone knows this the sports down there struggle. I mean, when you have South Beach right there. Uh, and just the, the the weather down there, it's, it's just so much easier to just want to go lay out on a beach than go sit in a stadium. Yeah, I, I just, uh, 
I, I just I hope everyone just takes a deep breath on this and doesn't drink the Kool Aid on it. And, and not that I want to. <laughs> I mean, Beckham could be different, but I think we've seen it in other sports with famous legends going into ownership, and they really don't know what they're doing when they go into ownership. And you know, Miami. I mean, look, they, they don't even get sell out their Marlins games. I mean, I know soccer might be different, but I think there's a lot of hurdles, and I hope that MLS is, you know, not just you know drawn into Beckham and the money and stuff like that, and they make the correct decision. You know, is that, I mean, am I am I being too down on that? Well, you know what, I think, or maybe I mean, I mean, I want to be, I mean, real, you know. I think when it comes down to it, you know, it like you said, I mean, there's been cases in other situations where maybe former players try to get involved in ownership and don't necessarily succeed. But I, you know, I do think from a business standpoint, Beckham's a pretty good businessman. And I think he's smart enough to know that he can't do it on his own and he's going to need, you know, some financial muscle to work with him. And, and, and you know, if Claude is as good a businessman as he seems to be, then maybe he's the real business brains behind the operation. So, so we'll see. I mean, it's still down the road. Uh, Team 21 is going to, you know, 2015, that, that seems pretty ambitious. Um, but it's a, there's a long way to go. This is just the beginning stages of it. Uh, you know, people people should should probably just take it take it all a little slow and uh, not assume that this is going to happen overnight. I uh, totally agree with you. That that's what I'm saying. Everyone, no one, hopefully, no one drinks the Kool Aid or anything like that. Yeah, there's uh, nothing wrong with none. There's nothing wrong with kind of <laughs> being optimistic and, and, and you know, obviously, people in Florida just want a damn team to go see. Uh, you know, because you know, there's nothing around there anymore as far as from a soccer standpoint, other mm-hmm. than the couple of friendlies in the summer. Um, so you can understand why they they want a team. And it's I'd say one of the interesting things about Florida is mm-hmm. is is there's such a um, there, there's such divisions there. I mean, you have you, you have the Miami fans, you have the Fort Lauderdale fans, you have the Orlando fans, you have Tampa Bay fans. Uh, there's absolutely no uh, unity in that in that regard. You know, like you know, Miami does not want Fort Lauderdale FT. Fort Lauderdale does not want anyone else. You know, like they all. But I tell you what, as long as there's a team, if, once you get one team there, then you have a much stronger case for a second team because you know, obviously MLS loves rivalries and they understand the importance of having teams in proximity to each other. So I think the, those groups, those fan groups that are down in Florida should take it easy with all the, you know, backbiting and infighting among those groups. You know, like it, one team, no matter who gets it, is good for everybody. You know, if Miami gets a team, that will help Orlando. That will help, uh, you know, may, might help Tampa. I don't know if you're going to see – you're not going to – I don't think – I don't think anyone's going to – Lauderdale agree. having teams, that's, that's a little – no one. I don't Absolutely. think any, the Orlando fans are not going to agree with you on this one. Oh, you know what? That's fine. They can agree or disagree. I'm just saying how it is. Orlando. This is what I'd say to Orlando fans, right? And I know, I know, a lot of Orlando fans are probably dejected right now because in the past month they've gone from their team looking like they're on the doorstep, on the verge of an MLS expansion team, and not only did they not end up getting Team Twenty. Now they have to fight with other teams in in Florida, so that's scary uh, for for people who who always thought Orlando was a lock. But I would say this, folks: if Miami gets team, MLS is not going to be happy with just one team in my in Florida. They will want to get a second team, and 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 I think if Miami gets a team, it will help Orlando at some point. It, it might not it might not be right. It won't be right away, but I think it it, it helps them more than if say. You know, San Antonio or you know Minnesota uh, or St. Louis. If one of those t- if one of those areas gets a team, that is worse 
in my opinion, for Orlando than if Miami gets a team. Because Miami gets a team, you want to you wanna put a rival near them. You want to put somebody that, to help create that buzz, and that would be Orlando. So I tell you what, Orlando fans, as much as you can't, as much as it might be not in your DNA to do, you might want to accept the reality that Miami getting a team wouldn't necessarily be the end of the world for you guys. Yeah, well, well uh, it's going to be a... Uh... It's going to be a long time for that to happen, like you said. Ivis, it, it may seem shocking, but there was MLS this past week with all the national team news. Um, some big MLS upsets. Well, I don't know if it's an upset anymore because we, we've talked about the New England Revolution, but your team of the week and your player of the week, the SBI, that's on the soccerbyivis.com. I mean, I'm sorry, .net if people want to read more information. But New England defeated LA Galaxy 5-0, to and uh, they just demolished them. It was ugly, man. I tell you what, it, it, it's crazy when you think about. It. I mean, look, LA is obviously missing some guys. They're missing Omar Gonzalez, uh, I believe Robbie Keane. Uh, you know, so they they, they they don't have their full complement. But there's no excuse for them to go to, for them to go to New England and lay an egg the way they did, especially when you consider the fact that Bruce Arena did not send his starters to the U.S. Open Cup game uh, down in Carolina that they lost. Um, you know, you rest your guys, you, you know, you got the cross country trip to New England and then you go out there and absolutely lay an egg. And you know what? Credit to New England. I'm not going to, it's not all about LA not getting it done because New England played some soccer. They, they took it to them, beat them down and, and just flat out outplayed them. And they're on a roll right now. They are on a roll. They are legit. You know, I think the addition of Juan Agadello. Has really has oh, really yeah. helped them, and obviously Fagundes, Diego Fagundes is just breaking out now. He's becoming, he's becoming the the player that that folks in New England uh, were, were have been praying now for a year or two that he will become. He's really breaking. He's becoming a star before their eyes, uh, a teenage star. He's our SBI Player of the Week. He's done it now for a few weeks in a row. He's really really turning it on, and New England is legit. They have a strong defense. Now their attack is dangerous. So. Look- so you you got to like what you're seeing if you're a Revs fan. Well, with Diego, I mean, the one thing I'm noticing with New England is there's just so much more space in it, and his passing is just it's perfect. I mean, have you, I mean, I mean, the given goal that he has, I mean, the goals that he scores by himself, it's just like when you watch him play, it's it's so beautiful when he passes the ball. It's awesome. I love it. For an 18-year-old kid, it's amazing. Well, he's, he's technically very gifted, and to be fair to New England, they've they've got some good players on that team. They've got some good passers uh, that he can combine with. We talk about Lee Wynn and Kellen Rowe. Uh, you know, they they have they have some quality. And uh, you know, early in the year when they were struggling to put to score, they couldn't find the net. Um, you know, their midfield wasn't quite clicking, and Fagundes was struggling as well. And uh, Jeremy Bengston has has had his struggles, but I really think Agudelo coming has 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 helped provide a, a, a real spark there a real you know because he's just such a, a threat and he's such a dynamic forward um so i tell you what man who there's no telling just how good they can be now um that they're just gaining confidence and it starts with the defense man before the when, early in the year when they just could not find the net when they just could not score to save their lives their defense was putting up some some shutouts they were putting up some good stats and that was a good sign early on mm-hmm. that you know what no matter what happens with anything else, this defense is legit. And then Jose Gonzalez, I said it, I don't know if it was last episode or the episode before that, but this guy is definitely in the conversation for uh, newcomer of the year. Uh, he's been one of the, he, he's not a flashy name. He's not someone who's putting up offensive stats. He's a, def, he's a tough defender who's just been absolutely outstanding for them. And uh, one of the, one of clearly one of the best signings 
of the winter. Yeah, it's uh, New England's on. They're on. They're they're now they're in that middle tier we talked about with Philadelphia Union. And and when you look at, they're tied on points with them for that fifth spot in the uh, East playoffs. It's it's, it's probably going to come down to the Union and New England. I mean, the crew are there, but yeah, they they just, they can't. They're having a tough time stringing together some stuff. But uh, it's going to come down to those two, Vancouver and New York. The uh, I I, for, I watched this game and I kept thinking like New York's they're going to score late they're going to score late but they did not score late to equalize uh, Kenny Miller grabbed the uh, the winning goal uh, in the closing minutes and uh, Vancouver I mean, what, I mean what do you make of them Ivis they seem to be doing this where they're beating the good teams but they lose they struggle against the the bad teams well they're starting to put together a little rally uh, a little unbeaten streak. Uh, you know they they obviously you know they had they got off to the good start they won two games uh, and then they had that with that winless streak that just made you wonder you know what's going to happen is, is Martin Rennie just kind of not really clicking with his team is there is there is it time to make a coaching change uh, you know the, the two four six seven seven match winless streak right and and you when you combine that with with the way they ended last year which was terribly. Uh, there were some real serious questions there about about what what the deal is with this team. Now they're not out of the woods yet. They put together a nice little uh, three game unbeaten streak. They've won. They they're two zero and one in their last three, so they're starting to show some signs of life. Uh, but for them to to really to go into New York and, and put together a pretty pretty good performance, uh, you really have to give them some credit. And and and, and I tell you what, for the Red Bulls, uh, you know and. Uh, some more evidence of this whole, you know, is he or isn't he a designated player? Tim Cahill did not play. He was on international duty. And they missed him. They really missed him. They missed the tone that he sets, uh, the passion he brings, the work rate he brings, the threat on set pieces that he brings. Uh, and you saw it. You know, they, they just, they were off as a team. They definitely, definitely missed him. What also didn't help when uh, Alave was shown a red card in the 75th minute. You know, think, think, you know. It's, it's actually funny. With the Galaxy, it shows how much they miss Keane, too. These teams, man, they, they rely on their DPs. Well, I mean, Keane's one of the best players in the league, so when he's not there, you just don't have someone you're going to bring off the bench that's going to give you anything close to what he gives you. I mean, L.A. has, you know, they bring in a, a quality rookie like Jesse Zardes, but Jesse Zardes is not Rob Keane, and that's just huge drop-off. And the same with the Red Bulls. You know, when, when K, you just don't have a one player who can give you all the qualities that Tim Cahill gives you. Uh, Montreal Impact defeated Sporty Kansas City two to one. Montreal remains uh, first uh, in the uh, in the East right now. Uh, they're still they're second in total total league wide for points. But um, Montreal they're they're just, uh, just just doing their thing. Ivis, it's very impressive what they've been able to do this season. They just keep on rolling. I mean, they won the Canadian Championship last week, uh, and now they go to and I you know what I uh, you know they they went to, they went over to KC. I thought they I thought they could win that game. I definitely thought they could win that game. And, uh, you know, one of the takeaways for me from that game is Claudio Beeler at it again, right? I mean, you know, Nesta gets a red card. But anyone who watched the game knows that Beeler really played his part. Beeler is, you know what, I don't want to just come out and say he's a dirty player, but he's a shady player. He's very shady. He's always on the fringes of doing things that are just a little suspect. Whether it's like you know contact after the play, off the ball incidences. I mean, it just keeps on happening with this guy. And at a certain point, someone's got to say, "Listen, man, you got to behave yourself. This is ridiculous. You can't, you know, you know. It's almost. I tell you what. It's like he's the Latino Stephen Lenhart at this point. He's like Stephen Lenhart <laughs> with with better. He's Stephen Lenhart with better hair. I mean, it's getting to that point. 
It really is. I mean, he he doesn't. It, it's not as frequent as Lenhart. Lenhart. I mean, Lenhart's like a con, is is in a constant state of anarchy. He's like a walking just you know. He's just a walking cloud of anarchy. Uh, Beeler's like more calculated, but it, it, it's just as questionable. I mean, every <laughs> single game with this guy, he's doing something. So I, I don't know. I don't know if it's Peter Vermees or 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 MLS, the disciplinary committee. Someone at a certain point, someone's going to look at this track record of things that he's these incidences that have just been under the radar and and say, and ask themselves, what is the deal with this guy? Maybe we need to start taking a closer look. Um, but again, credit to Montreal; they are legit. They, you know, now they, you know, they they're going to take their rightful place, uh, you know, at the top of the East. They're the team to beat right now. Um, and all credit to them. All credit to Margaret Shalabam, who's you know just taking it. And this is the thing, like. Jesse Marsh, uh, it you know he left Montreal and and you know as much as you know the the public thing was that it was by mutual consent. Clearly, Montreal wanted to make a change. Like they like they didn't you know it, that w- they wanted to make a change. Um, but I thought he did a good job last year putting that team like putting those pieces together and he finished the season really well. And uh, you know I wonder how he would have done with this team. I really do. But credit to Marvin Chalabam, he's taken this team that was already kind of put together and he's helped. Move it along, and and now they're one of the top teams in the league. You can make an argument that you know they're playing some of the best soccer in the league right now. And uh, the East, you know, we've been saying it for a while. It's a four-team race, um, but there's some serious question marks about the three, the other three teams. Whether you're the Red Bulls or the Dynamo or Sporting KC, uh, you know, they better be careful because you know if they don't, if they don't start, uh, you know, getting their act together, Montreal is going to run away with it. You know, right now Montreal only has Montreal is one point ahead of New York. Four points ahead of Houston, four points ahead of Kansas City. But they have games in hand. They have four games in hand on the Red Bulls, two games in hand on the Dynamo, and a game in hand on KC. So they oh, yeah. they have a real they have a real chance to 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 blow it open. Well, they and, also, uh, and they're good enough to do it. Also, I mean, they also have the best points uh, points per game average too in the league. Also, so I mean, if you just add that to let's just say they make up those four games right there, I mean, you could think that it's almost like saying that the impact have thirty four points right now to the New York Red Bulls twenty five. Well, you know what? I I tell you what, I am and I'm very anti points per game. I'm very anti the idea that you should uh, uh, if, if give a continue. team points based on what they've done. You can't do that. I'm sorry. I, I for me, the points you have are the points you have. You have not earned those other points. You have to earn those other points, and. uh so I look at actual points earned. I don't look at points per game. I know you, you know you can say, oh well, when you have instant, when you have cases where a team has four more games than another team. Well, I have I have when you're when like when you're like me and your team always loses and your teams always suck that you, sometimes you had to find comfort in oh well if we average these many points over the next couple of games I'm just being optimistic, man. Well, no, but yeah, but, uh, all right, no, you're not, not really. But anyway, <laughs> my, my, wait, look. Montreal's legit. They're, they're, you know, right now you can say they're the best team in the league. Um, but I tell you what, man, they're gonna, you know, once the Concacaf Champions League starts up and they have those extra games and they have that older roster, the, you know, that older lineup, you, you want to see how good their depth is, how how good their bench really is. That's gonna be a, that's gonna be the real test because you know what, you can have a strong start, but as we know in MLS, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Mm-hmm. Well, it also gives the impact an opportunity to to you know since they have this lead to, to play different guys and, and to give extra guys rest and stuff like that. Um, quietly having a really good season is Real Salt Lake. I, I feel like we, we talk. There's so many other teams that we talk about that all of a sudden 
We also like second in the West. They defeated San Jose three to zero over the weekend. If you missed Robbie Finley's goal, I mean, yes, there was a Robbie Finley goal. Go watch it. It was it was disgusting. Um, but RSL man, they uh, they're playing great, Ivis. They're legit, man. And I tried to tell people uh, before the season. I know a, a lot of people were writing them off. A lot of people. Well, after they you know they got rid of Will Johnson, Hamis Malave, Fabiana Spindola. Uh, oh, they're breaking the band up, they're, they're rebuilding, they're not going to do well. And you know what? I never saw that. I thought they'd do well. I thought they had the pieces to replace some of those guys. I thought they were going to be fine. Um, and, they've, and they've done well. And the crazy part is they've done well amid some, some major injuries. And, so, you know, obviously Saborio missing games. And um, they've done, you have to give Jason Price credit uh, because the trend, this team was obviously going to go through a period of transition with new players stepping into regular roles. Um, and, and they, you know, they had their hiccups early. You know, they, they, the results didn't all go their way uh, the first few months, but they've really started to find a good rhythm. And some of these other players that they've brought in, obviously Robbie Finley has come in, Jao Plata, one of the better acquisitions of the offseason. And it was funny because when that trade happened, I absolutely said that is a steal. That's a shrewd move. That's a great move uh, by Real Salt Lake. And, and, of course, folks in Toronto, and this is the thing that kills me when people – they're only found there, you know. They, they just they just assume like, oh, you know what? He was not good for us, so he's not a good player, and that's crap, folks. Just because the guy didn't do well for your team, doesn't mean he's not a good player or he can do well elsewhere. So for all of you guys who, who who you know, wherever it was, whether it was on Twitter or written, or in articles written, who 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 swore up and down that Jao Plata would not make a difference in Salt Lake, what do you think now? Oh. The fact of the matter is, I the love guys I love watching him play. He's he's, he's, he's so much great. fun to watch. He's been great, and you know what, folks? Look at Toronto. Look look at their attack. Look what's going on with them. And you cannot tell me that they couldn't uh, that having Joe Pata right about now couldn't help couldn't help Toronto FC. Yeah, it's uh, it's. I saw him with with RSL at the Desert Diamond Cup, and I mean, I watched him create a turnover and score by himself, and I was like, "Wow, this is uh, this is going to be perfect for RSL style of play." RSL man, they're having a, a good season. Um, Chicago defeated DC United. Uh, for some reason, <clears throat> I picked DC United in this game. I don't know why, but um, <laughs> uh, uh, Mike McGee, man, he must be loving Chicago right now. Well, they must be loving him, man. I mean, obviously, when Fire fans heard that they were going to get Mike McGee, they were they were giddy, right? They were like, "Oh, we finally have a goal scorer," and he's already he's he's, he's two goals, instant I- I- dividends, like immediate. I mean. His first two games, he scored goals. He scored goal. He scored a goal in the Open Cup at midweek, and now here he is scoring against DC. Um, and you know what, man? I'd, like I, I've been saying it, the Fire they needed a goal scorer, they needed a, a veteran defender. They've gotten those two things, and now watch out, watch out, because I tell you what, they can really put together a run. Um, and, and obviously, Mike Me is going to get headlines. Uh, you know, just because you know he's he's the goal scorer and 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 he deserves them. But at the same time, Bakari Sumari, when you talk about an acquisition, I mean, here's a guy who, since he started playing, uh, he, from when he started in Philly to to now in Chicago, I mean, he in games that he's been in, the, his team, the the defense he's been on, has been outstanding, and that's not a coincidence, folks. And he's really putting it together, and he's really become an anchor in the back for them that, that they needed, you know, that veteran uh, a presence that, that, that gives them stability, that, that, that gives them that, you know, strength in the back. Uh, 
And the firemen, I'd say they they could really they could really make a run. They could really, uh, I mean they've got they've obviously dug themselves a hole. Um, they're they're eight points out of the playoff spot, but they have two games in hand, so that's six points right there maximum. So you know they they it, it, things turn around real quickly in MLS. That's what, what people you know should never forget. Um, so I'd say I see Chicago going on a run, and I see Chicago being right in that conversation for a playoff spot. They're going to have to make that move here pretty soon, Ivis, because we, like we said, we talked about uh, you know the Union and Revolution and crew are, are that are that second tier in the East, and the fire just below them. So I mean, they they need to play catch up. Uh, really well, they've already quickly. started, man. What are you talking about? I, they, I know, I know, but they got to the, get there. Two games. Listen, two games now. Um, since they added Samari, they've they've I've racked up four points. They've got the games in hand. Um, and they're going to play these teams. They're going to play you know the teams that are ahead of them. So it, it's going to be a great chance. Uh, you know, for all involved to to see how you know to see if this fire if this fire team can really uh, you know can really put it together and and um, they, I, I can't imagine they're done. I, I think there's there's still I think there's still some moves to be made. Um, there I think Chicago is a team who could definitely go out and add even more to that roster. Uh, you know, when the summertime comes, and that's gonna put I, I think that's gonna put pressure. Uh, when you talk about a team like Philly, they still have to go add. I mean, I think, you know, New England did, you know, they, New England went and got Agadello, which was huge. And they definitely need to send a, a big present to to somebody at Chivas <laughs> for that that absolute steal. Uh, but Chicago, man, they, they, you know, they, they could really turn it on. Obviously, they have a tough test uh, against Portland uh, at home. But uh, I, I, I tell you what, I, I like what I'm seeing from the fire. Uh, in other league news, uh, Toronto, Philadelphia uh, played to a win-one draw. Jack McInerney with the with the goal for the Union there now has a league league uh, ten goals on the season. Columbus, Houston also one-one draw right there. Higuain found the back of the net. Colorado, Dallas two to two draw in that. Uh, Tiba Harris and Blas Perez both had a brace in that game. Seattle beat Chivas USA. Uh, good for Seattle to get back on track with uh, Chivas USA floundering. And uh, hey, I just, hey, hey, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. Hey, Chivas, hey, how about Chivas USA? With one of the better own goals you'll ever see, I miss Deluna. Deluna with the header into his own net. Really, it was quality. It was quality. You got to see it. I'm. Uh, I'm going to. I'm going to uh, watch it right now as we do the show. Ivis, uh, as I look this up, um, any anything else we miss? I mean, we, we we I think we got everything. We powered through it. Uh, this is going to be like one of the shortest shows we've had, and after after the mega shows we've we've put together lately. But uh, I think that's it. You know. I, oh man, that was atrocious. What, what do you got? I just what? watched that on goal. That what the hell, oh, it was what the it was hell was that? Yeah, I mean, if, yeah, Dan <laughs> I mean, I think he tried to head it back to Dan Kennedy. That's the only thing you can you could you could possibly think he was thinking. Which, and again, that's not the brightest thing to do either. Um, but hey, I think we've covered it. You know, this is a big week, uh, and we didn't talk, we didn't talk about it at all. I thought we talked about it a little, but you know, we'll mm-hmm. save it for the next show. But it's a big week. Uh, USA Jamaica on Friday in a big World Cup qualifier. Uh, we'll have our next show uh, up on Thursday night, to hopefully up Friday morning. Uh, we'll, we'll break it down. But I tell you what, folks, that is a huge game. The U.S. if they can get a win in Jamaica, where they've never won in qualifying, but if they can find a way to get three points, that will uh, absolutely set them up uh, for 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 a great uh, a possible great run because you know they have the two games home games after that. And they could really put a stranglehold on this qualifying group if they can. You know, th- th- this is a very doable run for them. I know they lost in Jamaica in September, and people are going to look at that and say, "Hey, you know, they just lost there, so nothing's a gimme." 
I was there in Jamaica in, in September, and I can tell you folks, like, they did lose that game, but you can't look at that game and say they were outplayed. Uh, at the end of the day, it came down to a couple of set pieces. Uh, all credit to Jamaica for hitting those, but from the run of play, um, I think that I think the U.S. was was right there with them. And now this U.S. team, for my money, is much better. Uh, when, you know, knock on wood, if none of these guys get hurt between now and that game, I mean, you're talking a, a pretty much a full strength squad. Um, and I, I really liked their chances uh, of going in there. I mean, they didn't have Michael Bradley. Michael Bradley was injured the last time they played in Jamaica. And he, as we saw against Germany, he make, he can make all the difference. I mean, he is, you know, Clint Dempsey, it's tough to argue that he's the best player on the team, but you can you can also argue Michael Bradley, uh, it, you can argue he is the most important player on the team just because of what he gives you in the middle, the the, the tone he sets, especially, like, from, and I tweeted about it uh, over the weekend, he makes he makes everyone around him better, but he especially makes Jermaine Jones better because I feel like when Jermaine, when Michael Bradley's not there, I feel like Jermaine Jones is like a kid when dad's away uh, on business where he just does what does whatever the hell he wants and he's just freelancing and he's roaming all over the field and everyone's having to pick up the slack and and cover for him. When Michael Bradley's there, there's a much more uh, disciplined approach from Jermaine Jones and from everybody. So I tell you what, Michael Bradley having him there. In Jamaica is going to make a big difference when they play on Friday. I agree. Uh, when you look, especially when you look at the last two uh, qualifying uh, for the World Cups in 2010 and 2006, the um, the third place team that qualified had 16 points. So you have to assume that that this year that will be kind of the number right there, maybe 16, 15, 16, 17, somewhere around there. So the U.S. right now with four points, they got to get to at least you know 17. That's that's 13 more points. So I mean they got seven games left. I, I think. You know, for the U.S. to to really avoid any uh, any uh, crisis mode when we go into the next round is get six points out of these. Uh, I'm sorry, get seven points out of these. You nine don't. Right ha- you don't need to get seven. If you the minimum, you want to get five. You want to get five. five oh, man. Well, no, you minimum. Well, see, you got to understand. It's all. It, I have this. I can't handle, I'm stressing right now. I'm listen, stressing. If you get five points, that means you've gotten two draws. That means there's two games where opponents were not able to get maximum points either. So. Fifteen, as you just said, fifteen has gotten has has qualified for the past couple of cycles. Fifteen, so fifteen is your number. You want? I'm not saying five would be great, <laughs> but five is the minimum. Five is the minimum because that's three results where your opponents are not getting maximum points. Seven is the is the total you want to kind of get to. Obviously, nine. Everyone would love nine. Everyone would love thirty wins, but I think seven is very doable. I think a tie in Jamaica and the two wins at home. Is very, 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 very doable. It won't be easy, but it's doable. If they get seven, they got to feel pretty good. If they get six, you know what? They can't complain. That's the, they're, they're still pretty in pretty good shape. Uh, but if they get any less than five, if you're talking four, that's not good enough. That's not, that's not acceptable at all. Because uh, you know, if, you, if you're talking about four, that means you know, you, you, you've pretty much uh, stood pat because another team has beaten you and then another team has split points with you when you've had two out of three at home. that That's not good. You want to get at least five, hopefully you get seven. And I, personally, I think the U.S. is going to get at least seven. I think they're in a good in a good run right now. I think there's confidence coming off of this game. As much as people want to nitpick and look at these late goals and think, oh, man, the defense is in shambles. No, guys, Edgar Castillo should not have been on the field. He helped them score. T- he, his presence ca- helped cost them two goals. If not for that, it, it's a different ball game. It's probably, four, it, it's probably still 4-1 or maybe at, at worst 4-2. But now you know some people want to look at the four three and think, oh my god, or maybe like, or maybe like five to two. Maybe the U.S. could have scored again. You have no maybe, idea. Maybe 
But again, it was friendly. <laughs> Some late subs happened. Get over it, folks. It's not the, the it's not the end of the world with this defense. Defense, the starting defense is fine, and it will be fine. That Jamaica team is not the Germany BC team. The Germany BC team is still better. The guys they had on that team are still better than Jamaica. And and uh, I also don't see the uh, the Jamaica national team. Uh, putting the uh, the center backs on their heels throughout the entire game. Ivis, uh, we'll be back again, like you said. Uh, we'll be back again later this week as we preview the Jamaica game. You have a, you have a good week, man. Oh, I, I, I'm gonna take a I'm gonna rest, man. I would. I, there's been a lot of driving uh, in this past week when you talk about. Yeah, that was Cleveland. That was your it, choice, though. You couldn't no, came back. Hey, know, hey, you got I home at six I, o'clock said, in the morning last night. What were you doing last night? That's all I've been thinking about this whole entire show. <laughs> I was I was DC chilling, as anyone who's who's from DC might know. DC, I was chilling in DC. DC, DC chilling. chilling. Wait, what? DC chilling. It's from a song. It's a rap song. What song Wale. is that? Is that? Oh my! Is you're that not too... up on that. You're not a big. Your your rap your rap knowledge is very limited. So I can, I'm not going to try to get into it with you. But oh oh wait wait, wait hold on hold on. I, I looked people... it up right here. It's on it's on Urban Dictionary. Yeah, the yeah. act of chilling, as uh, termed by the artist Wale in his song "Chilling," usually used to describe a situation with little or to no activity or movement. So you what you sat on the couch the whole entire time? I was out. I was out. Oh here it is. Here it is. Just, okay. You know? All right. Okay. Also, often occurs after a late night of. <laughs> I don't know if I should say this. <laughs> Settle down. Just look it up. Just I'm the not going to. You finish. have to read this stuff in a in, on a on a dictionary Urban Dictionary website. Urban Dictionary is great. Shows, That's just no, shows how like lame you are. What, no, 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 dude. What we did was in college when I was in my fraternity, we everyone would get pledge names and we would just look up stuff on Urban Dictionary, like gross stuff. So everyone's name. I mean, Urban Dictionary. I love Urban Dictionary. It's the greatest thing ever. I think everyone now is has figured out that I am from the I am from the street. I'm from the hood, and you are from, you're the you're the preppy kid. From the suburbs. No, no, okay. That's, that, why, that works, is, that's that, why the word show works so well. That's not true. I am not. We're a, from such different backgrounds <laughs> that that just gives us this great chemistry. <laughs> okay. Par, call, par, you, you, you know what? I'm just going to call you Richie Rich. No, that's no. That, okay, that is, that is not true. That is not true. My my, uh, my old man raised me right. I had to earn everything. Scottsdale. What? I know you're from like the mean streets of Scottsdale or something. Oh, yeah. You know how it is up on North Scottsdale, you know? <laughs> exactly. Where every street ends in a cul-de-sac. Yeah, man. You've got to watch out for those rent a cops. No, I, dude, I, this is why I don't go to Scottsdale anymore. It's horrible. It's full of like 30K millionaires. It's not fun. I, I, I left Scottsdale. <laughs> I, live, I live in Phoenix now. You are ruining your reputation so much right now with this little <laughs> ending. I know. It's great. It's great. Everyone, everyone, you come out to Arizona, hit me up. We'll go out. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. Listen, DC, I love DC. And I'm going to say this, this last thing, right? Yeah. Uh, DC is such a great soccer city, you know, and as bad as this year is now for DC United and it's just disaster mode. Uh, the game in at RFK, the game on Sunday, uh, just provided us a reminder of, of what a great soccer city it is, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, the stadium was packed with American soccer fans. And, and you know what? For all the times I've been to games where, you know, the opposing team had more fans or as many fans. When you talk about Gold Cup finals with Mexico dominating or or even in RFK in 2001 when Honduras uh, had 70% of the fans in the full stadium. It was just great to see an RFK stadium for a U.S. game and the stadium was packed with U.S. fans. It's just great. It was, it was just a great sight uh, to see. And you know what? 
RFK is an absolute dump, right? It is, but it has some personality. <laughs> no, it is, man. I, I know, but it's like it's. I, I know it's just every. Hey, I'm a Reds, look, I'm a I'm a lifelong Redskins fan. I, it, to oh, me, why RFK Stadium is a special place, always will be for me. But from a soccer standpoint, it still has something. It still has that that nostalgia. It's still it just it's just a great environment for for these games. And I I, I tell you what, I hope I hope uh, you know U, U.S. soccer. Uh, keeps having games there. Um, they've had games there more than anywhere else, and there's a reason. And it's and it's given, uh, in, even in just recent years, some of the just best memories, uh, like as like Sunday, uh, like the 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 tie against Costa Rica, the after the Charlie's Davies car accident, which was an emotional night, mm-hmm. uh, the blowout of Cuba. I mean, it, it's just, even just in recent years, man, there's been some so many great times there. So I mean, I had a great time at the game, and then I had a great time after the game. Went out in D.C. Uh, I won't say where because I, 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 you know, I, I don't want to give any any uh, publicity to any places. But DC is a great, great town, and uh, I, I'm definitely looking forward to the next trip out there. Wait, you, wait, so you're a Redskins fan during what the Joe Gibbs era? Yes, John Riggins. It's all for anyone who who wonders why a, a guy from Jersey is a Redskins fan. I was a kid, I was a young kid, and John Riggins just hooked me. Just seeing him plow over people and just truck defenders. I was just like, oh, my God, I, I don't know what this is, but I love it, and this is my favorite at player. And then from there, so 30 years later, I am still a Redskins fan. So, so you, can all hate, you can all hate me now. Yeah, I feel sorry for you. Being a Redskins fan is horrible, man. Hey, man, I've enjoyed three Super Bowls as a fan, so I'm not even going to complain. <laughs> well, uh, I, miss, I, I can't say much about Cardinals fan. Um, that wraps up the show today, man. You have a, you have a good week. We'll, uh, we'll be back again later this week. Yes, sir. And uh, as always, folks, get, uh, don't forget to give us some reviews on uh, on iTunes. I kind of I don't know what the deal is. I feel like we are we, we're just not making any. We're not we're not budging that needle. I, I know I know it's a lot to ask. I know maybe not everyone uses iTunes, so they don't want to give reviews. But I'm sorry, folks. We should have more reviews. And I'm not saying kill us. I'm not saying you have to give us a perfect review. But just you know, give us a little feedback there. Let us know what's up. And um, also, be sure to check out the, the SBI Facebook page. Uh, we're we're definitely going to try to 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 be more interactive with that. Uh, we it's it's obviously become more active lately, but you know I'm definitely going to try to start using that more uh, to interact and let people know what's what. Let let people know where I am, where we're going to be. Um, so so be sure to check that out as well. And uh, as always, make sure you're reading SBI on a daily, weekly, monthly, hourly, minutely basis. Maybe not minutely, but you know. We don't, want, we, don't want anyone, we don't want we don't want anyone to lose their job. But you know what? Make sure you're always reading SBI because we just keep on bringing, trying to bring the heat, and uh, we keep on adding writers. Uh, hope, and you know, we just we just want to dominate. That's all we want to do. And just let us know what you want to see. Just just you know, go, whether it's the comments or Twitter, let us know. Let me know what you want to see more of and what you like, what you like, what you don't like. Let us know because we just want we just want to make it the place that everyone wants to come to for their soccer info. Yeah, it's uh. It's what uh, it's what drew me to being a soccer writer, Ivis. Your website. There it is. <sighs> All right. Um, <laughs> Don't cry now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, no, actually, actually, funny story. I don't think anyone knows this. The first time I met you when you came on our show, on on, on you know the other the other show, I called you Galarsep. I thought that was your first name. <laughs> Nice. I, I kid you not. If 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 there, I, I probably have an old file and like and the other guys I was with at the time were like with me. They're like, "That's not his name." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" Or I think I called uh, uh, Ives. That's what I called your first name too. 
Oh, I mean, I, 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 I've heard my name pronounced every way, and I really don't get, I don't really get bothered by it. And actually, a lot of times, I don't even correct people. I just whatever you want to call me, you call me. It's cool. I, I don't get too bent out of shape. I know I've known people in my life who like, you know, if you say their name wrong, they like get completely angry about it. And I just like, dude, chill. Like, what's the big deal? Like, you know, it's not the end of the world. So it's all good. And it's great. It's great meeting readers. Uh, that's one of, for me, one of the most fun things is, is to be out and, and, and just come across people who read the site and, 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 and show, show us love and, and tell us how they appreciate it. I mean, that makes it worth, worth all. And obviously in DC, got a chance to meet, meet some fans at the, you know, some U S fans, some SBI readers at the, you know, AO party out there, uh, and at the game. And, uh, it's just great, man. The, the American soccer community is, is a great community and it's, uh, you know, as many people as there are, it still feels like a, like a family. Like you see all yep. the same faces at the U.S. games and MLS games. It's a great thing. So, uh, you know, we want to just keep catering to all of you. Oh, sorry. I, I thought you were going to keep going. Uh, I just, <laughs> nah, we got to cut, we got to cut the low fence down. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. We well, keep the show under an hour. Everyone, an thank hour. you for listening. Ivis and I will be back again Friday. Like I said, Ivis, have a good week. I will have a good week. Don't worry about me. We'll be back again next Thursday. Thank you for listening to the SBI show.